Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everyone. We're going to be taking a couple months off as we prepare for our upcoming season. Enjoy this episode nugget from our archives and visit our website for the full story. You can also join us on Patreon for exclusive content not found in our regular podcast feed. Hey everyone, it's Elliot. And Todd. Welcome to Two Designers Walk Into a Bar, an ongoing conversation about pop culture and iconic design. Hey Elliot. Do you know what happened this week way back in 1979? <laughs> 79. Uh, well, you were in high school then, so I definitely <laughs> have some ideas. Yeah, well, mm, maybe later. No, I mean in pop culture. See, the double album soundtrack to the film Saturday Night Fever reached sales of 25 million worldwide, making it the then best-selling LP in history. Wow. Uh-huh. Well, my roommate and I had that cassette back in college, but uh, that was a few years after 79, so I'm pretty sure that didn't help those initial numbers. Yeah, I doubt it. But I tell you what, to honor this milestone, it's only appropriate we highlight one of our episodes that celebrated a temple of the disco scene, Studio 54. Beautiful people, bumping tunes, and an anything-goes atmosphere with Andy Warhol as part of the mix. Cool, let's jump in. Um, but in 1976, CBS sold Studio 52 to its most notorious owners, Steve Rebell and Ian Schrager. You've heard of them, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they've been running a club called Enchanted Garden in Queens. And the partners were, were really, if you've seen any documentaries, you probably have heard this, they were a study in contradiction. Uh, Rubel was the outgoing social guy, the party planner, and Schrager was a serious, like, tough lawyer who got things done. Hmm. Hey, that's kind of like us, except without the uh, serious, tough guy. Uh, or the lawyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Um, but Enchanted Garden actually was wildly successful. Problem was, no one went to Douglaston, Queens. Yeah, not a hot spot for the yeah, social yeah. I mean, milieu of the mid-70s. It was the it was the hottest bar in Douglaston, Queens, let's say <laughs> that, right? Uh, <laughs> but they set their eyes on Manhattan and a club uh, that, like no other, 
that they've ever seen. They wanted the dance floor to be a stage. They wanted everybody to be a celebrity, uh, you know, metaphorically, um, yeah. while they certainly had plenty of other celebrities. Uh, and they wanted a party of fabulous people every single night. The opening night, as I said, was on April 26, 1977, and it was a huge success, thanks in part to friends like Andy, Calvin Klein, and photographer Francesco Scavulo, who contributed their mailing list to get things rolling. Oh, man. So Andy set aside his Christmas card list or whatever it was to get Studio 54 up and rolling. Uh, Okay, interesting. So he he sort of had a vested interest in its success, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was friends with uh, Stu Verbell. And on opening night, the club could actually had a capacity of 2,500, yet 4,000 people showed up. Holy so you smokes. know that was crazy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I can imagine it was a circus like we've talked about with so many things <laughs> yeah. involving Andy Warhol and a bunch of hangers-on and so forth. So got around the block, people waiting to get in. You've got Liz Taylor inside, Truman Capote hanging mm-hmm. with a Tony Monero type <laughs> paint store guy. And, yeah. a, and a hot dog vendor, right? So it's obviously Saturday a hot night dog fever. Vendor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's Queens meets, you know, whatever. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's really a cross section of New York in the mid 70s. Right. And bartenders, you know, wearing uh, skimpy shorts or yeah. they were known to wear diapers. Yeah, as well, I was going to so. say silver lame diapers, if I remember. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mix of dancers at Studio 54, the ones that they attracted all the time, were like characters right out of central casting, man. They were celebrities, drag queens, working class people, such as the substitute teacher, practically nude, who just had a chain connecting her pierced nipples. I'm not sure I ever had that substitute teacher when I was in school. Although I don't think she wore that. Yeah, I was going to say, reflecting back, I kind of wish I did. (laughs) And there were high-profile designers, socialites, royalty, even politicians, and even more celebrities. Uh, It was uh, just—I mean, it was packed. Like you said, it was a—it was a freak parade. Yeah, which. Okay, this begs the question, because I thought this club was somewhat exclusive. I thought they sort of had their velvet rope policy and bouncers at the doors and all this stuff. Yeah, I think they actually started that whole velvet rope thing, and they were very selective. Um, Steve Rebell was very selective at the door. Okay. He was casting a party every night. Yeah, and yeah. But, you know, um, fabulosity wasn't just exclusive to famous people. And even for celebrities, it was not unusual to see uh, a banquet of stars like Liza Minnelli, Liz Taylor, Bianca Jagger, Grace Jones, Truman Capote, and, and Betty Ford just hanging out. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I assume poor this, Betty is, Ford. Yeah, this is Betty Ford before the clinic days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like, what do you want, Betty? Champagne, Coke, Quaaludes, whatever. Anything okay. you want. So the velvet rope sounds like time to time parted rather generously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so Andy Warhol actually said about the club that it was a dictatorship at the door, but a democracy on the dance floor. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to tell a friend, leave a review on your platform of choice, 
and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. We're always here for you at two designers walk into a bar.com. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.